hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Let me read the scripture, then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. So Matthew 6, 9 through 11. And Jesus said, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for that you loved us, that you gave yourself for us. And then you even gave us the method of how to pray and what to pray. So, Lord, as we speak these words, hide me behind your cross and speak through me the things that you would have me to speak. And, Holy Spirit, you minister to this congregation as only you can. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 9, he starts out, Jesus says, In this manner, therefore pray. I titled this message, The Way to Pray, for, for this reason. There's so many that call this, and as we look at this, they call this the Lord's Prayer. I, I do not believe that it is the Lord's prayer, but it's the model prayer that he gave for us, for us how to pray. If you really want to see the Lord's prayer and how the Lord prayed, read John chapter 17, and then you'll see the Lord's prayer. So he says, in this manner, therefore pray. Jesus gives us the model prayer. He indicates areas of concern that should occupy a Christian's prayer. The prayer contains six petitions, three concerned with the holiness and will of God, and three concerned with our personal needs. Now, we're not, gonna, we're not doing the whole thing today because we're stopping at, at verse 11, so we'll pick up next week on verse 12. So we're going to cover the three things of the, for the holiness and will of God and only one of the personal needs. And it says, Our Father in heaven. And I want to start about break that down and say, our Father. This was very cutting edge, if you would. People were probably gasping for him to call God Father. But the right kind of prayer comes to God as Father in heaven. It rightly recognized to whom we pray to is coming with a privilege. What? The Father in heaven. And it's coming with a privileged title that demonstrates a privileged relationship, and that's what we have with God. See, for them to do this and to say, Father, they say, no, that's just way too casual. You, you can't talk about God like that. But aren't you glad that Jesus came and changed all that? That it isn't some God far away that we can't know. 
but he have, we have an intimacy with him. And there's, and there's more in here if we really look at when we, we look at what he's saying and this privileged relationship as we call upon his name. See, it was very unusual for the Jews of that day to call God Father because it was considered too intimate. That's, you know, that, that's not something you call God. The same title as you would like your earthly father. But that's who he is. But it's true that God is the judge of the universe. He's the sovereign who created everything, who governs and will judge all things. But thank him. He is also our father. And as we get into this, We'll be able to just to see that kind of a relationship that he that Jesus has with the Father. He wants us to have with the Father, and makes it possible. He is our Father, but He is our Father in heaven. When we say in heaven, we remember God's holiness and glory. And this whole thing is, we talk about Him. There's no evidence of anyone before Jesus using this term to address God. A new note of personal intimacy with Yahweh originates with Jesus, that we can have that kind of intimate relationship and call upon our Father. That's a hallelujah moment, isn't it? Romans. 8, 15 and 16 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out. No, he's taking it even a step further. Abba, Father. Abba was an Aramaic word. It's, not, it's still talking to, to him as father, but it has more of an intimate, loving connection to Abba. We don't have a word like that. The closest word we have, it, it doesn't translate the same because it's still referring to him as father. But he's our loving father, an intimate father. The closest word that we have to that, to the idea of that would be daddy. Calling God daddy. Oh, my gosh. Huh? But that's who he is. Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We're part of that family. We've been adopted into that family. I get the opportunity every once in a while to, to speak to people that are of the Jewish faith. And sometimes in conversation, I talk along these lines. And when they all say, no, I'm Jewish. I say, I'm Jewish too. What do you mean you're Jewish? Yes, I've been adopted. Huh? Huh? I've been adopted. The Yeshua paid the price, that I'd be adopted into that family, and I am Jewish by adoption. Now look at me funny. 
And then I start talking about Jesus Messiah, that kind of, they usually want to split about that point. But that's who we really are. We are Jews by adoption. We've been into that family. Jesus is our older brother. That's coming. He's our older brother. We're the children of God. And we've been adopted into that family. And Jesus is getting ready as he's talking about Abba, an Abba Father, and, and an intimacy that he wants us to be able to have in that relationship he wants us to have with Father. He even takes it another step when he says, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be. Another way we could say this, there's different words you can use when we talk about hallowed be, but probably the best words to be is holy. And as we look into the scripture, when they talk about God like this and holy, we would translate this, holy, holy, holy be your name. Three times. Hallowed be establishes the principle of prayer on the precept of worship. Too many times we use prayer as just as, as like a vending machine. I need this Lord, I need this Lord, and I want this Lord. And I've been guilty of that too. But how many of us think about as we call upon the name of the Lord in prayer that it is a time of worshiping him and saying, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Have a time of worship along with the time of prayer. And that's what Jesus was establishing with when he said, hallowed be your name. It establishes the principle of prayer, but it's on the precept of worship. I love that song that we did, I worship you, I worship you. Oh, that we have that time in our prayer life to say, oh, Lord, I take this time to worship you. And we can see in the Bible, we're going to have two, two illustrations, one from the New Testament, picking it from the book of Revelation, and then one from the Old Testament. As Jesus used this understanding of hallowed be, or holy, holy, holy be your name. Revelations 4.8. Now, I don't want to get off on a tangent on this four, the four living uh, creatures. We could spend some, but that's not what I'm talking about. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night. Let's leave it here for a second. No, no, let's go back. Said, yeah, thank you. The four living creatures, seraphim. We're going to look at this. It gives a little more description when we get to in Isaiah. Seraphim, angels. And there's a great question on who, who they are and what they are. And even within the faith, there's conversations about this. Seraph, a Hebrew word, a Greek word. Seraph means to burn, to be on fire, we could say. And the seraphim, remember the burning bush of Moses? It was on fire, but it didn't burn. Some people believe that their seraphim angels are like that. They're on fire, but they don't burn. 
And others theologians say, no, 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 they're just red in nature. And as they do this above God, they're flying around above God's throne, that they look like fire. Not going to go there, okay? I want to talk about what they were doing. You have the cherubims around the throne of God, and you have the seraphims flying above the throne of God, having six wings, two to cover their eyes, two to cover their feet, and two to fly with. And there's so much we could say about what all that means. But the most important thing is what is being said and what Jesus said when he's teaching us about hallowed be your name. He's teaching us to say, next slide please, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's what Jesus wants us to pray. Holy, holy, holy are you, God. Have a time of worship and a time of praise. And notice who was and is and is to come. Past, present, and future. That's God. We even see that in Jesus when he talks about in, in, in the book of Hebrews. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's that same concept and that same idea. We see the same thing in Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 2 and 3. Isaiah was a young man. God was calling to be prophet. And Isaiah had this idea. We have the king of Israel and he's serving the people. And God's raising me up as the prophet. Oh, we're going to have this great time of revival in Israel. And he had an expectation of what he thought was going to happen. And what happened? The king died. And Isaiah was struggling with this idea. The king died. How, what's going to happen now? How, are we gonna, how is this going to work out? And God gave Isaiah a glimpse of heaven. And he said, verse 1, I didn't put it in, in the, the text, but in verse 1, he says, And I saw the Lord upon his throne, and his train filled the temple. Now, we don't have kings and queens and all those things in, in our system. But those that do understand this about the train. In the vision of Isaiah, the train filled the temple. In other words, there's no room for no, nothing else. You see, the longer the train, the more powerful the king or queen. Now, we don't have that in this culture, but we do it one little way. When you have your wedding and you marry your bride, most time those gowns have a train behind them. Guys, be careful how long that train is. <laughs> and so, it says in verse 2, above it, don't stay there, above it stood seraphim. He's talking about those, the same way we just read in Revelation, seraphim. These burning angels. I wonder if that's the idea when they talk about that. We get the idea. Have you ever heard somebody comes to faith and they just really, they're just really going for the Lord and they say, oh, they're on fire for the Lord. Maybe that's what they're talking about. I don't know. Is that each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. 
And we're talking about around and around, going above the throne of God. This is what Isaiah is looking into, into heaven. John, the revelator, saw the same exact thing in the vision he had for the verse of, in, in Revelations. Next slide, please. Verse 3, and let's leave it here for a minute. One cried to another and said, so you got this picture, God is on the throne. The Lord is on the throne. The train has filled the temple. You have the cherubims around the throne. You have the seraphims flying around the top. And as this is going on, those, those seraphims begin to cry and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You think Jesus was trying to teach us something when he said that we would pray, hallowed be your name? This is what he's talking about. Oh, that we'd worship God in our prayer lives. And that we would enter his presence through praise. Psalms 100, verse 4, says this. Next slide, please. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. When we usually read this, we don't read this as if this was what we're doing. But do you realize this is what we're doing when we're entering into prayer? That we're coming before that throne of grace in heaven. We're entering into his gates with thanksgiving. We're entering into his courts with praise. We're saying, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. The whole earth is full of your glory. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And bless his name. And Jesus said, and call him Father. Why do we get to do that? Because of Christ's atoning blood. Huh? That's the only reason we get to have that relationship. Is what Jesus Christ did for us. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus... Now, see, if you were born in that time period and a part of that time period that you would know that you did not get to go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest and those that could, the priests could go into there, would go into there. And even when they went into the holiest place, did you realize that they tied a rope around their ankle? Yeah. And they put bells on their clothes. So as they moved and stuff, they could hear the bells. And if it got too quiet for too long, they'd say, uh-oh, something happened. So they keep those bells ringing. Have you ever seen prayer at the Wailing Wall and the Jews that stand there at the Wailing Wall and when they pray, they're doing this? Huh? Have you ever seen that? That's what they're doing is they see that because they saw that's what the priest did. But the reason why the priest did that because they were making those bells ring. That's the whole reason what that was all about. 
and they still continue that on to this day. They follow that same thing. They would, they would do this whole time while they're in there, doing the thing, because what they would do, they'd take a young lamb, and they'd slay that young lamb, and they'd take in the blood, and they'd take that in as an offering for the sins of the people, and they would take that blood and put it on the mercy seat of God. But it never paid the sin debt. It just advanced it for another year. But Jesus, by his blood, by his blood, paid that sin debt once and for all. Hallelujah. Do you remember Mary Magdalene when she went that next morning after Jesus had went? And it was Sunday morning. It was Resurrection Sunday, but she didn't know that yet. She thought somebody stole the body. And the stone was rolled. And there she was. Oh, what happened to him? Because they were going back to do the fragrances and the thing and the prepare, preparing him for burial. Well, there is no going to be preparing him for burial. He's alive. He has risen. And what she finally did, you know, there's different translations of the Bible say for different things. Most of the Bible says you, your text will read, if you're reading that story, about Mary Magdalene and John in the book of John, it would talk about that and it would say, don't cling to me. But the old writers of the old King James translated that differently. They translated that, don't touch me. I have not risen yet. In other words, I went to heaven yet. You say, what do you go to heaven for? Because I believe that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, took a bowl of his own blood, and he went up to the heaven into the whole. You realize that the tabernacle of the, the temple on the earth was after the one that was made in heaven. You, you know that, right? There's a heavenly temple. The one on earth was made of the same image of the one in heaven. Jesus went into heaven with a bowl of blood, went into that holiest place, and he put his blood on that altar, and he paid our sin debt once and for all, and there is no more blood sacrifice. There is no more having to go through that anymore because the blood of Jesus Christ has paid the sin debt and set us all free. Oh, that's a hallelujah moment. That's why, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Do you realize that when he said it is finished on that cross or paid in full? And translated either way, good translations. That the second he said those words, that that temple veil tore in two. It rent, it tore in half. Why? Opening up the holies of holies for whosoever would believe in Jesus Christ. You now may boldly come before that throne. You may come before that mercy seat and cry out before God. In our time of prayer, we have access because what Jesus did because of his blood. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. Notice what it's saying, what the veil is here. Through the veil, that is his flesh. His flesh that was broken for you and I. He's torn it too. Paid that sin debt once and for all. Oh, what he has done for us. May we learn, to, as we say our prayer lives, may we learn to worship and praise him along through all of this. Verse 23. 
Verse 21, sorry. And having a high priest, not only was he the sacrifice, he was the high priest. That's why I say I believe he took his own blood into that temple room. He went into there. That's why he told Mary Magdalene, don't touch me. See, I understand. I think that's a better translation than don't cling to me. Because he hadn't been there yet to pay, go in there. And as the high priest, he took that blood and he put it on the mercy seat once and for all. And he paid the sin debt. Paid in full. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. If it's paid in full, what do you owe? Huh? Nothing. Because he paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Aren't you glad? Uh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You know, we fell... We come up short, but he never does. He is faithful. And so, as we look at this prayer, he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The right kind of prayer has a passion for God's glory and agenda. His name, his kingdom, and his will have top priority. And notice the format that he gave. He put those things prior. He put those things first before ever asking of what we need. He was praying about those things. Take top priority. They come first. Jesus wants us to pray with the desire that that the will of God would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a full-time job in itself, wouldn't it be, huh? And how's he working through? He's working through his body, you, the church. We're the vehicles that he wants to work through. That his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the heavens, there's no disobedience. There's no obstacles to God's will. On earth, there's disobedience and obstacles to God's will all the time. Things are coming up. That's the stuff we're seeing today. I would never ever thought some of the stuff that's happening. We don't wring our hands. We look up. We pray and say, God... You've put me into this time period for your purposes and your reason. Use me, O Lord. Use me, O Lord. It's amazing the stuff that God does. Gail, I'm going to tell a story on you. Okay. Pepper, are you here? Yep. You already know what I'm going to say. God used you to take some little booklets, if you would, written by a chaplain 
to take it into the assisted living home. And you supplied those books. And you gave those books to Pepper to be able to give those to her mother to be able to pass out in the home. Pepper gave me one and said, I want you, just in case you get any questions or asked about this, this is what's, what you, what's going on. Well, I had a person, and Judy's going to know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lot of you today. Richard's somebody that she knows is in that home, and he comes to the, my weekly Bible class that I have there on Tuesdays um, fairly often. And after it was over, he said, Pastor Ron, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. He said, you know, I used to struggle with the idea of why I was in this place. But I believe God has put me in here to be able to minister to others. That was the message in that little book. That God used Gail to give to Pepper, to give to Lucille. And give to me. And God used it to be able to I'd be able to have a conversation with Richard and be up on the subject, if you would. Huh? How amazing is his ways? How amazing is his ways? The things that we look at, the things that happen and all that's going on, it doesn't matter. Huh? Let's just be faithful. He's going before us. And the obstacles that are in the way, will be removed in Jesus' name. Next slide, please. The citizens of Jesus' kingdom want to see his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a hallelujah. Yes, we do want to see that. And a quote from Charles Spurgeon that I want to read to you. It says, he that taught us this prayer used it himself in the most unrestricted sense when the bloody sweat stood on his face and all the fear and trembling of a man in anguish were upon him, he did not dispute the decree of the Father, but bowed his head and cried, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Charles Spurgeon. Powerful. Now one might wonder why God wants us to pray that his will would be done. We sometimes think, well, can't he accomplish it without us? He could. But he won't. That's why we're still here. There's work to be done. God could have done that without us, but he don't. He works in and through us. But there's coming that day that all the saints will come home. Somewhere in the future, I believe there's going to be a man or a woman, someone's going to pray that last prayer, or the last child when all the children have prayed the prayer and have come home. We're still here because there's those that haven't come in yet, those that are destined for the throne and haven't come in yet, and it's our job to take the gospel to them. It's our job. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, you're not here by accident. Huh? You may be here by divine appointment. That God wants to change your lives. But there's coming a day that one person is going to pray that last prayer and God is going to wrap this thing up. We're all going to go home. Because God wants to work through us. 
as if he were not able to accomplish it himself, God is more than able to do his will without our prayers and cooperation, yet he invites the participation of our prayers, our heart, and our actions in seeing his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Aren't you glad? He's got something for us all to do. The last verse, verse 11, says, give us this day our daily bread. When Jesus spoke of bread, he meant real bread. You know, some theologians, you know, and, and, that, and it's there. We can talk about, oh, yeah, what Jesus said, gives our daily bread, but he is our daily bread. Well, yes, he is. We know he's the bread of life. We know those things. But when he was talking to the people in that time period, that time, that God would provide what they need. Give us this day our daily bread. When Jesus spoke of bread, he meant real bread as in the sense of daily provisions. Next slide, please. The prayer is for our needs, not our greeds. Hmm? Why don't you remember that? We pray for what we need, not what we want. I had one somebody told me one time, well, I said, you said prayer, ask whatever you want. And I asked for all kinds of stuff and never got any of it. And I said, because none of it was within the will of God. Huh? Pray for our needs. And just for one day at a time. In that culture, in that time period, most of them got paid daily. And they, and they barely got paid enough to, to live on, to get the meal for the day, to get them to the next day. We would use the term day laborers today. But it was one day at a time, reflecting the lifestyle of many first century workers who were paid one day at a time for whom a few days' illness could spell tragedy. And Jesus wanted to let them know that even through all what they're going through, he first and foremost, notice, pray for holiness, the God, worship God in his holiness and pray that his will is carried out and then ask and pray for our needs. We get this thing messed up, don't we? We flip it all around. Say, I, I need this, Lord. I need this, Lord. No. And so, it could spell tragedy. This whole thing. Jesus encourages prayer for physical needs, which are vitally linked with kingdom concerns. Jesus takes care of us. They even understood that in the Old Testament. We're going to pick up verse 12 next Sunday. But even the Old Testament saints understood this. They say, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.